WTBN Pinellas Park. If it's been a while since you've worshipped at your local church, they invite you back. Attend services this weekend. Versions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. The sin that Jesus is condemning is meaningless, mechanical repetition, praying words without even thinking about them, a mindless host of words, repeating empty phrases over and over again without giving any thought as to what you're, you're really saying. It's, let me put it this way. It's praying with the mouth while the mind is not engaged. I suppose you might say it's like talking without saying anything. We've all heard it. Many, if not most of us, have been guilty of it from time to time, especially when it's a familiar request or situation. Have you ever heard someone give thanks for their meal like this? For the food we are about to receive, make us truly thankful. Amen. Boom. Done. Just like that. You know, and it's the same words at every meal, even though each meal is different. Now, friends, that's not prayer. There's no real connection with the words. They aren't the words of that person's heart. It's just what they are supposed to say before they eat. They might as well have it programmed into a machine and they could just push the button and save their breath. Real prayer is a little more involved and a lot more satisfying. Hello and welcome. This is Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is our teacher. Today we're airing the conclusion of his message on the righteous way to pray. If you have your Bible with you, his reference will be Matthew chapter 6. It's time for class now, so let's join Pastor Steve for some biblical perspective on prayer, along with some practical advice to help us pray the way Jesus would like us to pray. So Jesus tells us that the, the righteous way to pray is to make sure that our motives for praying are not to impress anybody. It's just that righteous praying is for the ears of God alone, and that we need to do this. If you don't do that, you, you need to start today. Whatever schedule you follow, however you have it, a little, little computer or a daytime or something or a scrap of paper, this is my time alone with God. And if you're sleepy, then you're sleeping. Then walk, keep your eyes open. Do, get in the habit of spending time with the Lord in prayer. So, so having said that, now if you're going to obey that, this is what Jesus said to do. You find yourself alone with God. You're in, your, you're in your treasure room. You're in your hidden closet. You're in that private inner room. Question is this, what do you say to God? Now that you've made sure you have the time to speak to him, what do you say to him now that you're in your inner room? Well, that gives us, that leads us to verse seven, and it gives us a, a second characteristic that Jesus spoke of, of Righteous praying. The first is that righteous praying has pure motives. The second characteristic of righteous praying is that it has a proper view of God. If you have the proper view of God, you will, you will speak to him in the proper way. Notice verse 7. And when you are praying, so now, now the picture is there's a progression of thought. You, you are in, in a room, you are alone, and you are praying. When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do for here's why they do it. They suppose that they'll be heard for their many words. 
having told us that we are not to pray like the Jewish religious Pharisees who prayed in public only to impress others, Jesus now tells us that we're also not to pray like Gentile pagans. He's using Gentile here in the sense of pagans, heathen, who prayed with meaningless repetition. Now, what does that mean? Meaningless repetition. In the Greek language, this is actually one word. It's translated in two words, and it's it, tends to be a bit misleading. It's the word, I'm going to mention it. I usually don't mention Greek words. Number, uh, several reasons. Number one, I might mispronounce it, and uh, my friend Bob Carver will know. Secondly, uh, nobody really cares, but this word is significant. You'll see in a moment. Nobody, nobody really cares whether you pronounce it or say it or whatever, but it's uh, the Greek word batalageo. And you may think, I've, I've never heard that before. That's right, because this is the only time this word, batalageo, is mentioned in the New Testament and any other Greek literature, ancient Greek literature that we have. If it wasn't here, we wouldn't know that this word existed. Now, what does it mean? Since the word is batalageo, and we can't go to any other literature to find out how it was used, if the word is batalageo, some, some think that this word must have been derived from, from someone named Batis. So some surmise that it's from an ancient king of Cyrene named Bodice who stuttered. And so they get, oh, the thought is repetition. He just stuttered. So maybe in ancient literature, there was somebody named Bodice and, and they try to put this together. Others think that the word comes from a man, not a king named Bodice, who wrote, uh, who wrote with uh, tedious, uh, tedious and wordy poems. I don't know where anyone would come up with that. But, but most likely, this word Bodilegeo is one of those unique words uh, whose sound indicates its meaning. The way you pronounce it is how is what it means. Uh, like, like the word buzz, we say a, a bee buzzes. What does buzz mean? You have to just say it as buzz. That's what it is. That's what it is. So therefore, since the word is bodilegeo, it sounds like somebody is babbling. Just think about it. Bodilegeo, bodilegeo, bodilegeo. That's what it sounds like. That's what it means. It's just, it's just someone who's babbling on without giving any thought to what they're saying. It's, it's jabbering away with nonsense. So what Jesus meant is that when we are to pray, we are not to pray with mindless chatter, empty chatter, like the pagan heathens pray. They just go on and on. I don't know what they're saying, but they just go on and on. See, it, as I said, it is somewhat misleading to translate this meaningless repetition because it is not repetition that Jesus is condemning. It's not repetition at all. It's an endless barrage of meaningless words and phrases. In fact, the New Testament encourages us to be repetitious in our prayers. Do you know that? Encourages us. Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane that if it was the Father's will, he would remove this cup from him, meaning the cross. Three times he prayed that. That's repetition. The Apostle Paul prayed three times that the Lord would remove his thorn in the flesh. Three times, that's repetition. And Jesus gave a number of parables that teach that we ought to be steadfast. We ought to be persistent in our, in our prayers. See, the Lord isn't condemning the fervent, repeated cries of a burdened heart. The sin that Jesus is condemning is meaningless, mechanical repetition, praying words without even thinking about them, a mindless host of words, repeating empty phrases over and over again without giving any thought as to what you're, you're really saying. It's, let me put it this way. It's praying with the mouth while the mind is not engaged. That's what he's talking about. This is precisely how pagans have been noted to pray. And, and I want to show you this. First Kings chapter 18. First Kings 18, it's the famous story of Elijah uh, confronting the false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. 
Remember, they were going to see who can call down fire from, uh, from heaven to consume what was on the altar. It says in, and I think it's a perfect illustration of this. It says in verse 26, and when they took, meaning the false prophets, they took the ox which was given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. What did they say? They said, oh, Baal, answer us. That's all they said. Maybe a few different words, but that's basically Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they made. And it came about at noon. And I, you know, the scripture doesn't say this, but I always envision Elijah leaning against a tree with a toothpick in his mouth, observing this ridiculous scene. It came about at noon that Elijah mocked them. He mocked them. And he said, call out with a loud voice, for he's a god. Either he is occupied or gone astray. Now, I think we have to be very appropriate in our language, but what this is talking about is going to the bathroom. That's what he's saying. That's why he's mocking them. You got to call out louder. He's away. He might have been going to a latrine. You got to call out louder. That's what he's saying here. He said, or maybe he's on a journey or perhaps he's, he's asleep and he needs to be awakened. Cry out loud. And so they did. They cried out with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. When midday was passed, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered and no one paid attention. But I, I just want you to see that that's the kind of pagan praying that Jesus is talking about. It was true back then and it's true today. Just, just an endless uh, incantations, magic formulas over and over and over again. Now listen, you don't have to be like a pagan to pray like a pagan. In fact, Jesus wouldn't have even mentioned it here if we weren't uh, susceptible to this. I mean, why mention it if, if it's so remote from us? He mentioned it because this is the tendency that we have. We do have a tendency to pray like, like pagans. Consider this. Every time you find yourself praying without thinking about what you're saying, you're praying like a pagan. Ever find yourself saying cliches to the Lord? Trite religious words to God? You're not even thinking about what you're saying. You've said it so much. That, it, you know, it's a reflex. Someone says pray, and it, it, it's, it's like uh, someone in the army saying, give me 10. You just drop and start saying it. You don't even have to think about it. That's just religious reflex. That's pagan praying. Ever find yourself thanking the Lord for a meal? And then later you say, did I pray? Did I thank him? Do we thank him? Because it's just a reflex. You're so used to it, you're not even thinking about it. You're not thinking about it. That's because we're so used to praying the same old routine words that we don't even give any thought to them anymore. That is pagan praying. When was the last time you really gave some intelligent thought to what you were saying to God so that your words had had a freshness? Maybe it'd be good to pray for a change, thank the Lord for your meal after you finish. You might even be a little more thankful. How about just changing the words? Lord, hold back the bad fat. Bring out the good, the good fat. Just something that make that would make you think. Because I'll tell you, I've been around enough Christians that I, I know typically the standard prayer. I know at least how it begins. If you were, to, you were to ask a typical Christian, would you lead us in prayer? It would go something like this. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful day which you've given us. Just like that. You know what? Maybe it's a lousy day. How about praying, Lord, thank you for this incredibly difficult, horrible day. But your grace is so sufficient. I'm just saying, folks, we get into a rut where we're praying like that. 
And then I don't know why, but Christians tend to use the word just. I just want to thank, I just want to, we don't talk like that to anybody else, but I just want to. That is pagan-like praying because you're not thinking. You're, it's just routine. You know, Pastor Steve, I've wondered about that too, for years. What's with all the, the justs in so many people's prayers? I know I've caught myself doing it too. That and various other standard phrases like, Lord, thank you for this day. Do you mean that when you say it? If so, that's fine. But it sure is tempting to take the easy way out with prayer by, shall we say, cutting and pasting various phrases without making the effort to really talk to God. So how do we keep from falling into that trap? Pastor Steve will have the answer for us in just a minute. We'd like to take a moment to let you know, in case you've just tuned in, that you're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been teaching at Lakeside Community Chapel for over 25 years. If you're ever in the Clearwater, Florida area on a Sunday morning, we'd love to meet you. Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. It's halfway between U.S. 19 and the beach. Now, let's return to our lesson on the righteous way to pray. Now, you know what? If you really mean those words and you just happen to like to hear yourself say that and you mean that, that's fine. But I suspect that what we're doing is just what we're used to. Been praying like this for years. We'll continue to do it until you hear a message like this that says, you know what? Stop and think about what you're saying. Think about what you're saying. Because if you're not thinking, then it's nothing more than vain, mindless repetition. And Jesus said, don't pray that way. That's the way pagans pray. Why do pagans pray like this? Well, if you understand why they pray like this, it'll help us to avoid praying like this. There is a specific reason. Notice verse 7 goes on to say, For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. See, Jesus tells us that the reason that they have this, this mindless wordiness in their prayers is because they think that the more words they use, the more their gods will be inclined to answer their prayers. In other words, their view, and I watch this, this is the whole point. Their view of a deity is someone who's just too busy doing his own thing. He's not interested in, in you. He doesn't care about you. He's doing his own thing. And you know what? If you, if you want him to do something for you, you got to hassle him. You got to put pressure. You got to just give him an onslaught of words so that finally he'll say, what? What do you want? I'm sick of hearing you. Yes, I'll give you what you want. Just get away. That's the pagan view of God. That's the pagan view of God. He's not someone who cares about you. He's not someone who's willing to answer your prayers. He's not someone who's interested in your life. So you got to come at him with a barrage of words in order to just get his attention, put pressure on him so that he'll say, fine, here, leave me alone. That's the pagan view of God. That's why they, they pray this way. They pray this way because they have the wrong view of God. They view God as someone who has to be bribed, someone who has to be hassled, harassed by a volume of words before finally he'll cave in to answering your prayers. But this is why we're to pray differently, because we know the truth. We have the proper view of God since our understanding of God is based on what he has revealed concerning himself in Scripture. The scriptures are the self-revelation of God. What we know about God is truth because his word is truth. 
And that ought to be reflected in the way that we speak to him. And that's why Jesus tells us in the next verse what God is like and therefore why we shouldn't pray like pagans. Look at verse 8. He says, so, here's his application of this, so do not, so do not pray like them. He says, so do not be like them. Notice this, for your father, he means in contrast to the pagan view of God, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Do not be like them. Why? They have the wrong view of God. You understand that that God the father knows what you need before you even ask him. See, we know that unlike false deities, the true God is a loving father who is concerned about us, who does care about us. And you know what? He doesn't need to be informed about our needs. We don't, we don't need to give him a, a volume of massive words to inform him about our needs. He knows everything about you. He knows all your needs before you even ask him. I know, I know that someone's going to think then, then why even ask him? Why bother to pray if he knows everything already? Why pray if God knows all my needs before I tell him? And he, and he does. God knows everything. Why take the time, my busy life, to, to even speak to him if he knows everything? The answer to that is very simple. It's not, not, there's no profound theological truth here. It's very, very simple. I suppose in its simplicity, it's profound. But the simple answer to that question is the reason that we pray is not to inform God of anything, but to enjoy his fellowship to commune with him, to rid ourselves of anxieties, to exercise our faith in him, to affirm, to affirm that he is our only hope, that, that he is uh, our only confidence. See, as a father, and I don't understand this, but this is, this is the way God is in his marvelous nature. As a father, he delights in having us as his children come into his presence to rely upon him with our requests. It'd it be in one sense, in one sense I do understand this, It'd be in one sense like a a father knowing what his child needs, but still wanting that child to come to him, to delight in speaking to him. And wouldn't it be weird if if we had children who would say, well, dad, you know everything about me. You know all my needs. So I don't think I'm going to speak to you ever again. Wouldn't that be a tad bizarre? But that's the way it would be if we carry that over to God the Father. Well, you know everything about me, so why bother telling you? Because he, he delights in hearing us. He delights in having us trust him. He delights in communing with us. Amazing grace. And as, as his children, we take comfort in the fact that we can cast all of our cares upon him. We ought to delight to speak to him, to unload our burdens, to affirm our faith in him. See, when you have a proper view of God, then you understand, and, and this, is so, this is so amazing, you understand that prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance to answer your prayers. He's not reluctant. But it's embracing his willingness to meet the needs of his children. God is so willing to meet the needs of his children if we just come and share with him. So, how does this apply to us? Well, so many applications, but... First of all, I begin by saying, are you one of his children? You have to make sure that you're one of his children. You become a child of God by faith in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. To those who believed in him, the Bible says he gave the authority to become a child of God. You trust Christ in dying for sinners that he died for you. You trust him alone. When you do that, you enter into a relationship with him and God is your father. He cares for you. But if you're a believer, then there are all kinds of applications here. There's the application of making sure you're praying 
with pure motives. There's the application of making sure you have a proper view of God. But then there's, it's more specific. What do you need to repent of today? What do you need to change in your life? Are you too busy? Have you been too busy to spend time with God? Then you need to change that, your schedule. Make sure that you start today. Don't, don't just say, well, yeah, I, I need to do something about it. Unless you implement, unless you have a plan, you're not going to do it. Unless you say, today, I'm going to start something. Tomorrow, I'm going to start something. This is going to be my time. And you can expect satanic opposition. You can expect that you're going to be, if you get up early, you're going to be more tired than usual. You may have a headache. You may say, I can't do it. Just expect it. But you have to be determined to do that. A set time, a set place, away from everybody else. Secondly, maybe it applies to you that, uh, you know what? I, I'm not even thinking when I pray anymore. I'm, I'm praying and I'm, my mind's drifting somewhere else. That, that is so normal, but so wrong. So you've got to do something about it. You've got to start to think. You've got to be conscious of, I'm going to think about what I'm praying. It may be that you have to pray with your eyes open so you're not distracted. It may be, and I'm talking about being alone, it may be that you have to walk in your prayer time. If that'll help you to concentrate, do it. If closing your eyes causes you to think about all other kinds of things, and don't close your eyes. That's why I say I want to do this when you're driving. Number three, it may be that you have to make a change that you've never prayed in public. You've never prayed in public because of your pride. Then you need to look for an opportunity in your Sunday fellowship with other believers. Maybe you're out eating somewhere. I will lead in prayer. And then just forget about others. I don't go on and on and on if you're waiting to eat. Don't pray around the world. But thank the Lord. Get to the food. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for instructing us on prayer. Uh, how important this is, Lord. It's so easy for us to, um, to miss these important truths. So easy for us to think that we're not like the Pharisees. We're not like pagans, but we are. Otherwise, you would have never included this in, in the sermon. So I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to make the changes that we need to, to pray with pure motives, Lord, to, to not care about what others think, but to pray for your ears and your ears alone. And Lord, help us to think when we pray, even if we have to, to change words around, to go slower, to make sure that our minds are engaged with our mouths. Lord, so help us to make sure we establish a time where we, we are alone with you. Establish a time where, where we have uninterrupted fellowship. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for the truth of when, when even when we can't feel that you're there, you are there. We don't have to feel you. We walk by faith and not by sight. So, Lord, help us to, um, to really establish as a priority and as a pattern in our lives a time of daily praying to you. And that's not to say, Lord, that we shouldn't pray uh, without ceasing throughout the day, but just that special private time when we are, are shut up only with you, just shut in in a time where nobody else can get to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for that message, Pastor Steve. I don't know about you, but it has caused me to reflect on my prayer life, and like everyone else, I need to make some upgrades in that area. Prayer is very personal. It's your chance to tell God what's really on your mind. It's like when people forward chain emails to me. I write back and say, thanks, but I'd sure rather hear from you about what's going on in your life. 
Lots of folks find it easier to just click that forward button than to spend the time to really communicate. God wants to communicate with you. This is Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you would like to hear this program again, you can listen for free at our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We also offer a free podcasting service and a complimentary newsletter. Feel free to sign up for either service or both of them. If you would like to listen to this entire message all at once, it is available on CD or cassette. You can order it by calling 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. We are grateful for the many faithful listeners who, above and beyond supporting their home churches, help provide the finances and the prayer necessary for the operation of Verse by Verse Ministries. 